0: And welcome to Let the uh, Music Be Your Master. Hey. It's nice, okay, nice to be back in the garage. It's great to be back. There mm-hmm. is a certain, a certain amount of charm here, mm-hmm. uh, as was stated. Um, I'm Jason Johnson, thrilled to be joined my, by my colleagues here. Uh, I'll let them introduce themselves.
1: Steve Ricks. Brandon Arnold.
2: And Jordan Harmon.
0: And, uh, and we're together to bring you another episode today. Uh, we are going to be discussing... Covers, covers the uh, the art the art of covering a song that somebody else uh, that somebody else wrote and performed, and uh, and we'll get we'll get into that in a minute. But before we do that, uh, I'm going to throw it to Steve, who has something good to tell us. Is my understanding?
1: And let's not forget to share our uh, our listener feedback.
0: Oh yeah, we our got a fan whole, mail. We got a whole a whole email piece to read. That I don't have in front of me, but hopefully you do, Brandon.
1: Am I? It's Steve, we'll let Steve read that one, right? Yeah, sure. Um, but, yeah, but tell us, tell us something good.
3: Tell me that you like it, yeah.
0: <laughs> it was so close. <laughs> <laughs> it's always, I think go. that keeps giving. So, from what I can tell, you hit stop. And then you just save it at that point, and then whenever we get back together, you just hit play from this point again, (laughs) and eventually we're going to be on to the next song on the next track in the album. Yeah. All right. That's what I think. Eight
1: eight seconds at a time.
0: Steve, you're up. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Well, the
4: thing that came to mind most when I was thinking about this is an artist who is not new, but new to me, named Scott Walker. Um We've and and we've had a certain amount of discussion about him
1: governor of Wisconsin.
4: Yeah <laughs> Yes, not a lot of people know
1: his about his music career, but no did Th- did he and Orrin Hatch get together uh, <laughs> <they> <laughs> some tracks,
2: An album of covers <laughs> That will no doubt make our Hall of Fame today.
4: Yes uh, No, this this is someone else Uh American-born, but lived a lot of his life and most of his career in England, I think. Uh, and has a really interesting trajectory of starting as kind of a teen idol boy band of the '60s, kind of kind Early of thing. '60s, yeah. And then moving on to kind of a solo career, and then that 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 then launched into very more experimental and kind of strange territory and he's someone that uh I didn't know about it was completely off my radar um uh I went I I encountered a video installation piece that's currently on exhibit at the uh, Utah Museum of Contemporary Art the UMoCA that I th- I know at least I think Brandon and Jordan saw recently, too. Oh, is this um, with the
1: stop-motion video? Yes,
4: yes. Um, and so if you want to check out their website, and, oh boy, I, sh- I should uh, look up that artist's name, too, just to give her a shout-out. But anyway, uh, the it featured this Scott Walker song, It's Raining Today, that I was just blown away by. Super beautiful and interesting, haunting. And reminded me of the Radiohead song, uh, trying to disappear completely. Or what, what what's the song? I'm, did I just butcher the title?
2: What is it? Uh, I, don't, I don't know the title. But <laughs> Radiohead Ray- are so... fans of Scott Walker. That documentary R- I told you guys about is they're in it, and they talk about him as a yeah. Infamous.
4: Well, there's a there's a clear connection between this song and and I think that Radiohead song, but um but this song just blew me away and so that would be just the one song i'd say play but he's he's a really interesting artist i know jordan knows about him and when i kind of shouted it out to the to the podcast career and said who is this guy i've never heard of him and this is so weird and um, but jordan had had been talking about him a lot in the last couple of years and blah 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 but anyway if you haven't done a he's someone you could do a deep dive on and really find out some interesting stuff about
1: it's raining today by scott walker
3: It's raining today And I'm just about to forget
5: The train window girl
3: That wonderful day we met
5: She smiles through the smoke
3: From my cigarette It's raining today But once there was summer and you and dark little room
5: and sleep
3: in late afternoon those moments descend on my
4: window pane. yeah how how to disappear completely is the radiohead song I'm thinking of but um yeah, um, and the artist who's used that song in a kind of interesting stop-time animation installation piece is Alison Schulnick, which is on display right now at the UMOKA,
0: but um, anyway, uh, there you have it. It's a cool track. What attracted you to it? There, to me, there's something interesting in the contrast between his voice and then the, the music, the sound going on in that background. It's almost like a... Like, it, it, it's almost like it could turn sinister at any minute, but it, it's kind but of it Leonard stays, Cohen-ish. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah,
4: I think the the studio production, just the blend of that kind of, you know, sparkly string, whatever sounds, that, that kind of comes in and stays there, but that's very much in the background. Yeah.
2: There's a dissonance there, and like, is that called a suspended chord? Is that a, sus- what is that?
4: Yeah, that might be a way to describe it. It's kind of uh, uh, a, yeah, a drone or something, but it's just a sustained chord. But that, yeah, maybe is some doesn't seem related to the to the key or the tonality of the piece in general. So it's kind of this strange, and that's kind of same thing that happens in that Radiohead song. But I think what what surprised me about it or what I loved about it was all the things we're talking about. But then it became difficult for me to date it. Like like the the production was really clean and his voice was interesting and the dissonance of that sustained chord with what he was singing it 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 sounded like well this kind of has a sixties retro vibe but it I could imagine it being just released this year with kind of trying to channel that energy and I couldn't place it right. you know I was like wow so I looked it up and like oh it's from the 60s. I've never heard of this guy. I've never heard this
2: song. This is this is crazy. And you sent anyway. it to us, and I got all defensive. <laughs> Steve, I sent you an email. I promise. <laughs> I was, and I got no feedback. And then you're like, I don't. Got, I didn't get it. And I had to search, and I did send you guys an email. But not 30th Steve 30th century It was before Steve Was an official member oh. But So the, the way So there's a documentary Called 30th century man Those were dark days <laughs> Yeah the dark <laughs> days Of the trio When we didn't I couldn't have even stand To read my email At that um, point I was
0: like We don't feel complete
2: I refuse to read my well, email <laughs> I didn't realize yeah. At that point That people Didn't read email like you're, you're more hip and young You're like <laughs> Email what are you Talking about George You know you would Respond every couple months Like oh I didn't
0: even See these email threads Yeah that's a theme In my life I'm and sorry I've got my di- I, my In fact I should apologize to anybody that hears this that has not gotten a response back from an email from me. Yeah,
2: well. There we go.
5: Oh. <laughs> Thanks for it. telling
0: us something good, Steve. <laughs> yeah, that was great. You're Next, welcome. In fact, in fact, I'm willing to do this live. Jordan, read this number out loud that's on my unread on my email box. Oh.
2: 4,721. Yeah, that's, that's
0: real. That's my life.
1: But how ah, many does Jordan have? Great. I bet he's I got a few. <laughs> <laughs> he might have you beat.
0: Oh, I, I, but I that's because cr- I just. Passed I, I over. started back at zero in February. Um, what? That's true. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're talking about covers. Yeah. Um. So we're talking. We're going to talk about covers. We're going to share. We're going to create our uh, our Hall of Fame wing for covers. I'm already dubious about the even the existence of uh what we'll talk more about this in a minute but before we do um i want to just kind of go around the horn and get uh, all of your take on what makes a good cover in your opinion because covers are a thing that have existed like since the beginning of rock and roll they're at the core of blues music um I guess there's a version of it in, in jazz music. I think it exists in some level, in all types of music. Um, what makes a good cover, in your opinion? Let's start. Uh, let's just go this way. Let's go Brandon, Jordan, me, Steve.
1: It, it helps if the original song was written by the Beatles or Bob Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> that's That's about half the covers in existence already.
2: Yeah, so it's interesting because there's to me there's covers that like when I hear it I'm like oh my gosh this is a fresh take on that song I know and I really like this different angle it adds something totally different there's that kind of cover and then there's the other kind where it's like there's a song I really like and I don't even know it's a cover and I think those are the ones I actually usually like better and that kind of cover I think isn't is actually the norm of popular music at least. For, as far as i understand in terms of the history of
1: is it because humans, the original was obscure?
2: Yeah, or just the fact of humans sharing songs and it's just you do it like kind of jazz or folk roots music. It's not like everyone's like coming up with original songs. there's the song book and people you know the the folk songs and people are just sharing them. And I think to this i think we've talked about this a little bit that the whole idea of origin something that wasn't covers just original music In the popular zeitgeist is maybe more, um, I mean probably comes and goes. But is it the the name cover right? Like when it was jazz, it was standards. They didn't say covers. So covers came up more.
0: That and I'm curious about that as well. Like is cover. This thing that's like a little bit more unique to rock, where maybe they just didn't have the canon established to be able to say, or is it just that jazz is just like a little bit snottier about their art? Like, this is a standard.
1: This is part of the canon of jazz. We do standards. Paging Professor Hicks. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I need some knowledge about this. Yeah, covers
4: versus standards. It would I be said Hicks, not Ricks.
1: <laughs> oh, <laughs> Michael wow, Hicks.
4: I bet he knows. Down. I know. Well, I trust me. I was not about to maybe to, do to do. offer an answer to that. I was oh. just saying that uh, it's an interesting question.
2: Well, the be- the Beatles were doing. I wonder if the Beatles called their stuff standards or if they called it covers. Like, with their first albums were mostly not their songs, and it seems like maybe rock and roll got kind of snotty, or I don't know, snotty, but just like. Oh, that's. We do our own stuff. We do our own original stuff in maybe the 60s and 70s. It's weird, too. Like,
0: when you, if you have like dug deep into blues music and like the history of blues music and blues artists like it it doesn't even feel like they call it either it's just like it's just a song it's a song that gets passed on and you do your version of it right you know whatever that is and you know so like sometimes it might they might even change the name or you might add a verse but they're like in the world of blues i've never i've never really noticed that they even worry about calling it a thing it's it's just this song it's almost like the song's not anybody's you can trace it down you can check wikipedia find who wrote it but you might have 15 different versions over 80 years of the same of the same song Yeah. yeah um
4: the you know one one difference that occurs to me but maybe it's more apropos to instrumental jazz is just that you know such a premium is put on like improvisation that you know an artist is going to put their own stamp and version on a song and it's not really about the song itself but the song is a vehicle for that artist to sort of do their solos and and play the head in a certain way um but i don't know what that means for jazz vocalists i mean because but you know some actually are going to scat and do that kind of thing but that's less important maybe than just again their own personal style or putting their stamp on it and that's not unlike what happens in rock. Right. But I think in rock, it's, it, there's a kind of notion that, well, like there's a difference between a cover band, right? Yeah. And a real band. It's like you, you can't, you would never be taken seriously if you stayed a cover band forever. Right. Unless you're Dread Zeppelin. No, i do <laughs> not.
1: And you, you might have a cover on an album. You can get away with one cover right. Sure, occasionally. Right, sure, sure, sure. Or you can release a novelty album that's all covers. But it's typically
0: right. treated kind yeah. of like it's not treated like yeah. a serious album. It's a novelty. Well, we've mentioned the
2: name standards is what they called it in jazz. And then in rock, maybe they call it covers. It sounds like in hip hop, we have the same thing, remixes, right? It's, it, it's kind of like a cover. It's kind of different, but it's, it's a little bit similar. It's like, oh, here's, a, here's this person's take. Because they don't call that uh, a cover. Yeah, in like
0: that, I, I brought that up in, in the world of hip hop. Like you rarely see a hip hop artist cover another hip hop artist. Now you have like some interesting cases with the song Steve shared with us. That uh, that song uh, Diddy did. I'll be missing the, you, The
2: Puff Daddy. Yeah. Um,
0: and then like the the other one that came to mind in kind of from the same vein is like the Fugees. Yes, like Killing, Killing Me Softly, Killing Softly isn't a true cover. Like she's not singing all the same words. Like they've added their own verses, but it's very much built on.
2: It feels more than just sampling,
0: right? A, a, a it, it's bit. this weird kind it's like, of. We're going to take the whole track, and and I don't I don't know fully yeah. how to treat it. Like in my mind, I wouldn't consider "Killing Me Softly" for the the Covers Hall of Fame, right? But it is. It's, it's is, too, it, is that a it's cover? It's too original. It, it deviates. I don't know. That's, it. That's yeah. it. it. It does, because it does deviate. It, it is, it's not just a, a remake of that song. Right. Yeah. Um, Steve, you didn't mention, uh, what What do you think makes a good cover? What do you look for? What's What scratches your cover itch? I love, I
4: mean, yeah, I think the two things that, have already been mentioned attract me most to covers uh or uh so the ones that are complete reworkings reimaginings of the original that that seem so different so surprising but that work you know or the covers where the the cover that essentially replaces the original like you you, you can't you can't think of the original as the original version almost like
0: the the new person
4: took it and made it theirs but but uh, another category that i was thinking about was covers that are are simply interesting because of the connection they suggest between the two artists Mm -hmm. not because of the song themselves so like for example gnarles barkley covering gone daddy gone not a very interesting cover musically i don't think but like, the fact that they're interested in the Violent Femmes or yeah. whatever is really interesting to me. So that's just kind of like, wow, so that, that's a that weird So that brought choice. up a, a
0: question that you I know? thought of when I was I was driving up here, and I, I had some in a playlist that I made trying to figure out in my head what ones I wanted to pick. And the question occurred to me, and and maybe the answer is that it doesn't matter fully, but it is kind of an interesting way to engage with the art of it, how many of these songs do I like because of my existing knowledge of the original? And so part of what makes me like it is my brain is immediately connecting it to or contrasting it with the original, um, you know, versus something that's just so independently good on its own that I would like it if I didn't even know that the original existed. Um, and, and that, Kind of intrigued me as well, like does that play into kind of I guess the coolness of the of the art around it? I don't know, so right. anyone have any thoughts on that does 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 a a knowledge of the the song that was being covered help like add to the to the experience to the enjoyment of the cover
2: I think it could add or take away, yeah, depending on kind of the connection right like but if I hear a song that I really liked and I hear a cover, and it just feels like a watered-down version.
0: Like, would you be attracted to that Gnarls Barkley song if you didn't know about the Violent Femmes song?
4: That's a, yeah, it's a good question. Um, maybe. I mean, I, I might think, yeah, that's an okay song. The the thing that's, but, I mean, it's like there are certain things about it, like the Gnarls Barkley, they kind of preserve the... You know, the marimba sound, but it kind of sounds sampled, I think, or just like a MIDI keyboard, you know, whereas the Violent Femmes, I think it's an actual marimba, you know, and so I don't know. I don't know if the Gnarles Barkley one would catch my attention as much if I didn't know the original. It kind of scratched my head. Like, how is is a DJ, you know, rap R&B singer, why are they interested in right. a song by the Violent Femmes? I don't really like their I don't really care about their version, but it's interesting to me that they cared enough about it to put it on an album, you know.
1: Seems like that kind of question would be more case by case basis which That's well, I might said it, might get answered well. It while may we're not
0: matter. Ultimately it may not matter, but yeah. it is kind of a cool thing about I think like the artistry of a cover that the context of it really seems to impact like our perceived value of it sometimes much more so than in than in other cases where you're just assuming you're listening to a thing for the first time yeah
2: we've ha- we've had quite a few covers um that we've talked about and yeah. uh we didn't play but we talked about like jeff buckley's hallelujah which is a big deal right we and my guess is we're saying that all of these the covers that we've actually played are already part of our hall of fame yeah so we i, I well
0: i think so so here's here i said earlier i was dubious even of like the idea of a, of an actual I, in my mind there's no way in this case to say like i can i can be at ease and say I, i've picked the songs for the the beatles hall of fame that i think belong there even though it's a, a huge Grouped. covers it seems so much even more subjective so i don't know that this is going to be like the hall of, the, fame. The hall of fame like the right. the best of the best i think what we're doing is this is more like a museum wing of covers and we are selecting specific artifacts that we think represent something cool about covers that we are submitting to this uh, this Audio exhibit uh, to help keep, <laughs> keep people I- intrigued and help preserve the, uh, the artistry of, uh, of, of covers. In my mind, that's the only way I can be at peace with it. Yeah. Because I, I can tell you right now, I have a Google spreadsheet right now that I'm pulling from. I have 75 songs on yeah. it right. uh, of covers. They're, like there's just so there's many. no way.
1: Yeah. As opposed to your list of favorite pop hits from the 2000s,
0: <laughs> which only had 65. <laughs> I realized after
2: the episode, I was like, we should have br- broke this open to the to top 50 instead of top 10. I was like, this that was too hard. Those top 10. I mean, oh, we, have a, we have a the, the we have work, a
5: John,
0: we have the a little John we have a little John song in our hall of fame. The work is worth it. Um, <laughs> oh. Any other any other Some thoughts regrets. or does, does anybody regrets. does anybody want to debate me on uh, on what I've just suggested for this? No,
2: I like that. 'Cause I didn't pick try to pick objectively the best covers. I picked covers I like and that I want to curate. Yeah. So I like that as well. And I think
4: then, I think as you've hinted at this Luckily is, for
1: Jordan Yes uh what what's the name of that guy that you like? Bonnie Prince Billy covers himself. He covers himself. So, he did a whole album
2: yeah. of called Palace so, Hits, Greatest Palace Music.
1: Pretty sure we'll hear one of those. Oh like. man,
2: wait! <laughs> What's
5: that, we, Steve?
2: We could, we could, we might not, we might not. I might throw a curveball in there. We've heard a lot of him, so
4: yeah. Um, it seems like Jason, you suggested maybe it was the last episode when we were talking about pop hits that almost every episode of this podcast is a kind of deep cuts picks because you know that's we're, what we are to talk about try, yeah we're trying to go for things that people might not know about or that aren't obvious picks well, and we want to share with and, each other yeah and we're and that the are, major audience yeah pretty, they, probably right, much
2: right we're
4: we the make up 75 percent of the audience so, <laughs> 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 we want to pick songs we actually want to listen to so it's yeah. a,
0: it's a personality oh. test for all of us is yes. what it what it comes down to <laughs> yeah. um okay any yeah. other any other thoughts anybody wants to share on covers
1: uh, it's probably unique to music, in which it's the art form where the the writer covers themselves all the time. If if they're also the performer, you know, because mm, they yeah. have to. Anytime they're in concert, they're covering themselves. U- usually, it's the same every time, mm. but that's sometimes true. not. They might be tempted to mix it up, or if there's improvisation, to yeah, it, that's true. But you know you occasionally see it in the film world where you know there's some directors that have from other countries that then do an English version of their film, right or
0: I, I threw or that out. you've got
1: like Van Gogh that paints the sunflowers multiple times. yeah so are
2: you saying as in terms of performing like when you perform your own song that you wrote is a form of a cover almost because like instead of like you make a film, you and don't it, go make it again every time people right. see it. You made it once, that's it. Or you paint a painting. Right. with songs, you're like doing it. Because of the
1: live nature. I'm trying to remember which, which song it is. It's in a, Joni Mitchell's live album. Let me see if I can find which track she talks about this.
3: That's one thing that's always like uh, been a major difference between like the performing arts to me and being a painter, you know? Like a painter does a painting and he does a painting, that's it. You know, he's had the joy of creating it, and he hangs it on some wall. somebody buys it, somebody buys it again, or maybe nobody buys it and it sits up in a loft somewhere till he dies. But he's never, nobody ever says to him, you know, nobody ever said to Van Gogh, paint a starry night again, man. (laughs) You know, he painted it, that was it. Let's sing this song together, okay? This song doesn't sound good with one lonely voice. It sounds good with the more. There you more go,
1: Joni Mitchell's philosophy on that's having interesting. to perform the same thing over and over.
2: Really quickly to add to that, so there's an artist that I like that um, because of this, probably he doesn't. When you show up and see him live, his stuff he doesn't play the songs like they're on the al- like on the album, which is kind of frustrating to fans because it's like the slow songs all of a sudden are up tempo. And like ska, and the 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 fast songs are all sudden like ballads, and have like totally different keys. So it's the same words, but totally Dil- different. Dylan feel. kind of
0: famously does that. Like Dylan will pick a theme yeah. for that night, and they'll all come out, right. and they'll play every song like in in that theme.
2: It was weird because when I went and saw this per- particular artist, I was like so excited to hear this song and this song, and when it came up, I was like, "What? This isn't." We it.
1: don't get to know who this. And is. it was
2: kind of a bummer. It's Bonnie Prince Billy. Uh, I had to. I was going to save that for the punchline at the end because I was like, if I bring it up first, they're not going to let me get away with this. But like, I went to his his concert up at wherever or the Depot or something in like 2006, and uh, the songs I was looking forward to sounded totally so different. Many, and I didn't so many like them jokes as much. I want
0: to make right now. There was one that set was of the, footprints on the beach <laughs> when Jordan was walking, and it turned out Bonnie Prince Billy He was, was carrying me the whole time.
2: But it's like it's frustrating but it's also the other thing is he's super like no one can do any video any camera stuff you know because it's for him and i think that harkens a little bit to the jazz thing in terms of not the protectiveness of not recording but just that i'm going to play this unique
1: experience that night
2: and for him too it's like we don't want to play these songs like a thousand times so we don't care so we're going to play them differently and like make up new arrangements and and stuff like that so it makes it interesting uh I wasn't aware of that the first time I saw him. That's but yes, funny. that is the artist. Um,
0: well, let's uh, let's jump into it. I'm going to make one suggestion. You can push back on me. I am going to request that I'm going to allow live versions in this, but only if they were officially released as like a, a as, as part of a live album release. Oh, interesting. So, so if you have like an obscure concert performance, I, I think I would prefer. To save those mm-hmm. uh, for some other discussion and, and try to keep these for for album releases,
1: yeah. Okay, everybody, cool. good with that. Yep.
0: All right, let's just uh, let's just go this way. Let's start. We'll go Steve, Brandon, Jordan, Jason, and we have. Um, so we're going to start with three. I think we all have massive lists. We may end up going to four per person, and uh, let's just use our uh, our prudence on. Whether or not you want to play, if it helps, if you believe it helps to illustrate the value of your cover to play the original, go for it. Or if you want to just present your cover as a, as a unique individual artifact, then we'll leave it at that.
4: Well, my number one...
1: Hold on, hold on. Let me, oh, let me play something to introduce you, Steve. Go ahead. Steve. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Go ahead. Epic. It was a cover.
0: Yeah, hold on. Yeah. That's that's from a video game. It is. Hold on. <laughs> is that Contra? Oh. No. Oh, I'm it's going to come to me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay. Moving on. What do you Moving got, Steve? On.
4: I think I could, should, and could still pick this, but uh, it's got to be Devo Satisfaction. I used it as an example at the beginning of the New Wave episode, but it wasn't right, right. a pick, you know. So yeah, and you, I thought and you still one. want
1: it in the Hall of Fame?
4: I want it in the Hall of
1: Fame. It's like got to it. be there. Got to be there. It's, okay. Yeah. Their first album, I think so. Are we not men? You're a diva, right? So, was that? Uh, do you think that song helped put them on the map, get them get them attention, or did they have another hit before that?
0: Um, <laughs> I should have done more research. I am uh, I am curious. Do yeah. you do you think typically? So, it's a common thing uh, for bands that are fortunate enough to to stick around long enough to make several albums, usually the covers would be on their like first album. Like if you're going to have a cover, it'll be on your first album. Is that because you're, I mean, it's not exclusively true, but is that a common thing because you just don't have the material material yet? So it's filler to complete an album or are you trying to just like, maybe there's a song that, you know has been recognized and people like maybe that gives you a little bit more of a pop probability that people are going to connect to that thing and, and pay attention to you. Like, I'm just curious what the rationale would be on, on why that's a a thing that happens on a first album often.
4: Yeah, it's a great question. And the, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think, I mean, so, like even zeppelin and the the beatles did that i mean that was well yeah the beatles it feels like it it's absolutely growing out of them being a cover band and just doing tons of gigs and playing and having yet to really write enough of their own songs maybe i don't know early on and, but also, there's a love of the yeah. music they're covering, and that's influencing them, and it shows that connection. This is a little bit interesting because I, you know, you th- this is one of those covers that stands out to me because it is so different. So it's different, such a reimagining yeah. of it, and so I can't imagine that like it I,
1: feels like a Devo song.
4: Yeah, well, yeah. Abso- absolutely. And I again, I'm I'm have not done the uh, Wikipedia or other research yeah. to know what drew them to this song, or even is there any other research? Other. But. <laughs> Um probably not but uh the you know this song comes out released in 1978 I mean it's pretty I mean I guess that I, that might be interesting to look at like what what sort of time separates the original from the cover and is the cover like you're saying trying to cash in on a recognizability it seems like this is far enough away from the original the stones have had plenty of hits and other stuff
0: since then well and i think the clever thing about that one is just kind of knowing the whole um kind of image and and ethos of devo like that statement i can't get no satisfaction is so right in line with like I mean, they weren't just presenting their songs. They were presenting, like, this theory of where mankind <laughs> was at. And it's kind of cool that that I, with them, that's always one of the fun things about them, is that there's often kind of like a, a dual meaning in their their lyric that is that is subverting, like, the poppiness that may even become through, yeah. come, yeah, come for, through and, from it. And for me, and I think people when
4: this song... uh First came out. Well, not when it first came out, but this was you know a video that was in early rotation and MTV that was very distinctive and interesting. And I think uh, for me, it's hard for me to separate the two. So that also made a big big impact and and its popularity. So did it? I mean, this is the song that I first remember associating with them mainly through MTV. You know, Mm -hmm. and so um yeah i don't i don't know in their in terms of their history of their oeuvre i mean i i ended up listening to all those early albums and so i love i love a lot of that you know first yeah. album but, to me
2: this um, seems different than like the beatles doing their yeah. early covers because that seems more like the beatles just loved these songs and they weren't they were kind of songwriters like paul was definitely yeah. at the
1: time there were versions weren't all that different from the right original.
2: but they were like oh we can sound like this band this girl band you know the, the shirelles or we can sound like Smokey robinson or let's try to do that and they got really good at their instruments and their their english you know fan base in the pubs or whatever in liverpool loved that because it was bringing this style whereas for this for this song it seems more of like the subversive it, aspect. it's
0: almost like musical satire yeah it, it's really clever that
4: yeah. way i think it is their first single Yeah, so it was released as a single, and
2: and it's it's uh, all of us are musicians. I think all of us have played in bands where we're like, where you try to play the song that you like, but then we've also, I know I've been in bands where it's like, oh, let's do this version. It's almost like uh, ironic. Let's do this version, but in a totally different way. And there's something about that when it clicks, you're like, oh my gosh, this sound, this song sounds so cool done in this way. That's so different. That can be a fun thing. But Mm -hmm. yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah, great and pick. luckily they went on to keep, you know, keep making more albums and more songs. It's always a shame when a cover song is your most famous yeah. song as a band. It, <laughs> unless,
0: unless you, I don't, I don't so equate eff- this
1: with, unless though.
0: you so effectively took it from somebody mm-hmm. else. Like Aretha Franklin's most famous songs, probably Respect, which is a right. cover, but that's not a shame because she took it. She stole it from Otis Redding. She yeah. made it hers. She, Yeah.
2: yeah. That's an interesting other topic of like the covers that are like this is the actual now canonical version, yeah, which is true with respect, I think granted cool. pick
1: okay um, i am uh I'm going with a cover of the sound of music, a song from the sound of music, <laughs> as performed by John Coltrane, um so the sound of music. Was put on Broadway in 1959, and that was starring... I had to look it up. I don't know. Mary Martin as... As Julie Andrews. As Julie Andrews. (laughs) (laughs) As Maria, right? That's that's the character's name. Uh, Huge hit as a musical. um, Won all these awards, and I would... I wasn't around at the time, but I would assume sold a lot of albums. The next year, 1960, John Coltrane releases his interpretation of "My Favorite Things," and he had—I don't know—was this his first solo album? No, he had "Giant Steps" yeah. the year before that. I don't even know if "Giant Steps" was his first.
2: Yeah, I can't remember. No, he had he had something Blue before Train, that. Blue Train, Train yes.
1: Yeah. Okay, yeah. Train uh, but. Uh, he was still fairly new as a solo, well, not really solo, but you know, band, band leader. Uh, been playing with Miles Davis before that. Um, but this was, correct me if I'm wrong, you guys that know better than me, but I think this is where he started experimenting with the, the modal kind of stuff that he elaborated on more with uh, Love Supreme. So here we go. My fr- oh, also first album with soprano sax. That's right. Played by him, not,
0: right. not first not ever. Because yeah. I was going to say I thought the, Beetle, the Beatles actually had the first album That's with true. a soprano sax. That's true. They they invented the soprano sax
4: and then used it. I remember. I remember. <laughs> yeah, it was a really beautiful time for music. <laughs>
1: Hopefully the bass player gets to do something besides those two notes at some point. But the rest of the guys seem like they're having fun. <laughs> I like it. It belongs in the I wing.
0: Sir Rick's a lot. Is that a cover or is somebody doing a standard?
4: <laughs> yeah, complicated by the fact that it's a jazz artist.
5: Well, what, one of the differences to me between time, covers and
2: standards is the standard in jazz becomes something that then... like. A lot of jazz musicians do it, right? Yeah, right whereas a with the cover, it's like, we did our version of this popular song, and it doesn't mean like, okay, now everyone's got to do their version of that song, right? Like, I, he was the first, I think, jazz musician, at least on a popular level, to do my favorite things. So in that sense, it matches the kind of cover. It wasn't like an old... Duke Ellington Like a 1920s jazz song Or early 30s That got covered Over and over again By people mm. So I think you could Because it's in jazz Maybe it, maybe it like, becomes a standard
4: It's more like Miles Davis doing Human Nature Yeah
2: or, or Wes Montgomery Doing Beatles tunes Right Right in the 60s He started doing What
0: Day in the Life Or He did a Day in the Life And maybe Taxman Did he do Taxman yeah. Or somebody? I can't remember He
2: did so, I think yeah. he did Several a people bunch did taxman. Of, of Beatles Yeah so maybe it became a standard, but it was a little bit coverish when he first did it. it. Seems
1: seems like w- with this case, it is we're hearing it in such a different fashion than we're used to. Mm-hmm. So that that seems to fit more of the cover definition rather than the. the standard. Yeah, doing
0: doing an instrumental version of a song that has lyrics does kind of make it. I think you like uniquely his. Like it really helps it stand on its own. And
1: besides the melody, he's a. He's doing a ton of different stuff on this. Um, Then five years later, when the movie comes out, is Julie Andrews covering Coltrane? No. I don't think so.
0: (laughs) 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 She's just doing a standard.
1: (laughs) She's she's performing the notes as they were written. (laughs) I would guess she sings it differently than Mary Martin did. Yeah. You listeners can look up that version on your own.
4: Right. Well, that's that's something I overlooked too that it's that's a good that's important to note, that this was a cover from the b- before the movie came out. So yeah. That's, yeah. that's that's that
1: the makes one it I think a knows little more came, interesting. came after that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and it's I not like so.
2: standards were the first cuz before there was standards yeah. you just what was it? folk music and just songs that you you know, I don't know in classical music what they would yeah. call it, but it's i mean it's just we have different names for share like redoing songs that have been around and it seems like around this period is when those names were changing right like where standards was cuz jazz was kind of dying out of, as the popular art form or had already died out and so what do we call what the beatles are doing or what bob dylan is doing or these other bands that are doing other people's music we start calling it covers i would be interested though to know when that name started becoming more frequently used Um, moving on. Mm -hmm. All right. So I'm going to choose, I'm trying to like choose my first one because it's like still shuffling through, but I'm going to go ahead and choose, um, it's a tough one. Do you know what? One of my picks in the, I think in the nineties episode was a Nirvana song from Nirvana unplugged, which is half of that album is basically covers. Right. And I think I chose, um, where did you sleep last night does that ring a bell i think that's right which was like a cover of a blues musician and kurt cobain gives this famous performance where it's just his singing and the the emotion and it is just intensely powerful it seems to me like i i you mentioned in the new wave episode steve that part of new wave part of that 80s kind of there was a lot of covers devo and other bands doing different songs in very different ways and it seems to me growing up in the 90s that there was like this real ethic of authenticity. And Kurt Cobain was a huge part of that. So to me, when he did all these covers, that was like, whoa, you know, that's it was such him being subversive because it was to me, it seemed like covers are not being authentic.
0: In, in the 90s, everyone cool. was so sensitive to selling out. Like, right. I think that's was that was a singer term, songwriter. So eth- I agree ethic. For, for him to do that. Where somebody else Might have been accused yeah. Of like selling out To popular music For him It, it, it was cool It was, it was cool. like
2: Oh wow yeah. Look at this And he did Old blues stuff He did stuff That you don't heard, You know The meat puppets And like Or not Yeah Meat puppets But other bands That were like Less well known But I want to choose one That I loved From this This uh, album And by another More popular musician That I'm sure A lot of people Like his version better But The Man Who Sold The World Which is a David Bowie, Bowie. song That Nirvana did in On their unplugged live concert
3: we passed. A-
1: This being unplugged, sellouts. <laughs> Nirvana is sellouts.
3: So, what?
1: So chewing. What's that? <laughs> I'm still chewing.
2: <laughs> Something about this um, song. To me, this isn't like. So, I, I love this album a lot. We've already talked about that. Um, it's hard to make these picks, right, when we only have three. But one of the things I thought was important about this was just in thinking about covers, thinking about how, how that idea of the 90s was so about authenticity and originality, and Nirvana was kind of a big pushing, felt like a cultural force pushing that. And then Kurt Cobain does this album where most of the songs are covers. I didn't know David Bowie other than, like, The Labyrinth. You know, so my idea of David Bowie... I knew my older siblings liked him, but then I saw him in The Labyrinth, and I was like, it's a a sweet movie, but that guy's kind of lame. Like, (laughs) look at those tights and look at his hair. But the movie's amazing. But anyway, (laughs) hearing this song, this was one of my favorite songs on that, and I didn't know who it was. I was like, oh, that's – and then people are talking about it's David Bowie. And so that's one of the features of covers of this one for me was kind of opening up my, like, oh, David Bowie wrote this? He must be more cool than I thought, you know? And then being more open to him later in terms of kind of realizing his impact and and things like that. So that's another you know influence that covers can have.
0: I did one thing I did like about this one that I think um, maybe helped it. That I think is it, it, I, I personally like it when when bands do this. Um, he didn't pick like a classic Bowie single. He wasn't. He didn't pick. Let's Dance or, mm-hmm. um, you know, even like Ziggy Stardust or something like he picked a song that, you know, even so in the 90s, classic rock, 70s rock is like really popular amongst teenagers. This The Man Who Sold the World wasn't a Bowie song you were going to hear on a classic rock station. And so he, he, I think, you know, part of the, the maybe the artistry of covering is picking the right song. And this is a case where they absolutely picked the right song. Yeah it seems like it's a lot
2: of times people t- Picking a kind of a deep cut yeah. Like I want to introduce this to the, to the world in a new way This song that I like uh,
1: I was thinking while I was While I was making my list um, Kind of going along with the first question What makes a good cover And I had jokingly said It's got to be by the Beatles or Bob Dylan But just because it seemed like a ton of them That, that were You know in consideration Were, were by one of them Um. And it seems like there, there are certain types of songs that will make a good cover. I think it's either it has, um, I wouldn't necessarily say profound lyrics, but at least lyrics that, that mean something, that are worth singing. Hmm. Um, and either that or something interesting going on musically, a memorable melody or... Something like that that you can um, bring your own, your own stamp to. Which is why Dylan's got the, the lyrics going for him. And so a lot of people like doing their versions of those songs. Um, and the Beatles, sometimes the lyrics, some, sometimes the, the tunes. Uh, but it seems like there's always something interesting you can do with uh, a cover like that. And I was thinking that you almost never hear a Nirvana cover. Like they, they seem so of their time. Like mm-hmm. they've got their sound, and it sounds cool when they do it. Um, and there's like I've, I've heard a version of Tori Amos doing "Smells Like Teen Spirit," mm-hmm. which, you know, it's kind of cool to hear it. But it, it, feels definitely like a novelty. Like, I've
2: got a Nirvana cover for you, but it didn't yeah. make, it didn't make my top three. It's like my, my number four, number five. Oh yeah, by the Bad Plus, yeah. by so, it's a jazz, jazz instrumental. So that, so it can be yeah. done. It can be done. It's very different, and it came out back then. But, like in the you, 90s, but
1: you know, you would picture someone else singing Nirvana songs. Yeah, and it doesn't. They're just kind of nonsense lyrics, right? And the the chords are generally, you know, it's just four chords repeated over and over, right?
2: Right. It's not. They're not as coverable. It seems.
1: And that seems to be true with a lot of metal songs. Like you don't, you don't hear famous covers of another metal yeah, song. Who's
2: covering metal? I haven't.
1: That's not a thing. It's like who who wants to cover anthrax you know they've <laughs> they did it and you but, either, but, either have to do it the same way or but
0: interestingly well, enough, i guess
1: there's like the the cello guys that play yeah, that acdc count. or whatever yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> they play metallica it's called apocalyptica yeah.
1: <laughs> that's what they're called yeah.
0: um but interestingly enough like i think most metal bands have covers in their library um mm-hmm. so it, that is interesting i don't
2: know yeah yeah original metal songs maybe are less coverable i guess we'll unless see time, by another metal band time but. time
0: will tell i'll be looking for the rain and blood cover yeah <laughs> in the next decade what do you what do you got for us jason um i i can't remember I, I i don't even remember if i've mentioned this song it seems like a song i may have mentioned and i don't know if i've played it so if i if i say it and and any of you remember that i i Submitted it somewhere else Then I'll pick a different one Um, Aretha Franklin Covering The Weight Covering the bands Hmm. The Weight This is maybe My all time favorite cover Uh, Dwayne Allman Plays Session Guitar On this And this song Is just incredible I love it so much Cool got everything i want in it never heard that it's beautiful it's got aretha making a an incredible song her own she changes the the main protagonist of the protagonist of the song is a male she changes it to a female perspective kind of similar to what she did in respect um and then you got Dwayne allman just killing it on a side guitar playing incredible session guitar and it's
2: who's the original who did the original
0: the band the band okay
2: yeah, that was that was great. I'm really glad you picked that because I've never heard this version, and I I'm gonna listen to it more because it's really good. Yeah,
0: yeah it's <laughs> Key change, it's, com- it's comfort food for me, man. Is that a key change.
1: You, yes, you know it. Yes, it was. You know yeah.
4: it. Or as we like to say, modulation. Modulation.
2: Uh, <laughs> yeah. On we the go. podcast, we,
4: we like to use correct musical terminology Tell the, for uh, <laughs> <vailed> the <turn around. laughs> Jordan failed the well, quiz today. Um, well, a modulation Tell is us the key chord change so is not the key change is inaccurate. It's just,
2: <laughs> was this a
4: 146251? <laughs> um, um, no. Oh, yes, yeah. Think about it. Whoa. It's a one, and then tonic six, and then uh, subdominant <laughs> back to tonic. Is and I think they've you know they've modified the original <laughs> chord progression from The Weight.
0: Amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I've, I actually Amazing. found this song the way I stumbled on this. Um, I, I'm a huge fan of the Almond Brothers. I, I wish I, I need to find a way to talk about them more on here because they're so so good, and. um, at a a point in my life where I was doing a really, really deep dive into the, the almond brothers library. I picked up, um, I started listening to Dwayne almond has two anthology albums, volume one and volume two. And this was on volume one. That was the first time I ever heard it before as well. Um, but it has some of his session work and it just, it like from the first note of it, it just knocked me out and, I've I've loved it since. Nice. Well, you were like a big Molly Hatchet fan and then it was just like from there. <laughs> it was
4: It was like it wasn't that far. It's like I've I've really gone deep. I don't know who <laughs> Molly Hatchet is.
0: <laughs> <laughs> they, <laughs> don't be smirch the, <laughs> the good reputation of the Almond Brothers <laughs> like <laughs> you are like a southern Molly rock. Kind of. it. Yeah.
4: I don't know. I just it just came to me. I had to say
2: it. <laughs> it was, you tickled his fancy. It was yes, it worked. <laughs> well, let's keep it moving. Second Lady, round,
4: ladies and gentlemen. Second round. we we've got, we're, we're we've the timer's ticking. The clock's ticking. The timer's counting down. Steve Ricks I, is at the plate. I'm <laughs> <laughs> he's buying time while he decides what
0: he's going to. First pick. pitch
4: and a miss. No, I'm I'm ready. I'm ready. Uh, I think I got to go with and I'm, man, I'm I'm realizing that my first two picks here are very nostalgic and of a particular period because same almost exact same release date, 1979. Uh, I think that I think the Devo Satisfaction was 78. So this is right in the same era. Um, the cover is Money. That's what I want by the Flying Lizards. You guys know this covering cover? the OJ's? So the original was it's a Barry Gordy, um, Janie Bradford song, which apparently was the first hit record for for Motown. But I mean, released released on Tamla. So, um, I, yeah, I was like, is, I, is this I don't the, know the song, song that ended up being the one that the OJ's did? Is, the Beatles it? covered it. I knew that. Yeah. And I don't know that the OJ's covered this. I'm sure there are other songs, and it's, it's not this. It's, it's not it's not the Pink Floyd. <laughs> this is the, I guess the official title is Money. Parentheses. That's what I want.
1: By the Flying Lizards.
4: Yes, please. Okay.
5: Life for free, but you can give them to the birds and bees. I want money.
4: What year is this? 79.
2: I I was gonna say, this fits, this could go right with that Devo song. Yeah, I love it. That's what I want.
5: Your love gives me such a thrill, but your love won't pay my bills. I want money. I want. That's what I want. That's what I
0: want. This is such a perfect Rick's pick. <laughs> this is Rick's pick. Okay, say
2: this genre of music is Steve love language. <laughs> it really, and, I, is. and I'm like, I want to be in a band with Steve that, that tries to recreate that feel. <laughs> what is uh, that?
0: There's a there's a guy that does bootleg right Grateful in. Dead compilations. Compilation yeah. called Dick's Picks. This is Rick's Picks. This is Rick's Picks. Yeah, Rick's Picks. I'm gonna make
2: a playlist, Rick's Picks. It'll have Satisfaction by Devo and this, and then yeah. we'll go from there. Warm leatherette. Put
4: that Get warm on. Warm leatherette.
2: <laughs> kind of.
5: <laughs>
0: all, all eight minutes
1: We gotta play Eccentric. it Play it to, the forward to the end To
0: the cover of Warm Leather <laughs> Electric yeah. uh, That's a great pick yeah. Ricks well, Here's the uh, The
1: thanks. Beatles version Just so we know What it used to sound like
4: But that That was that Distinctive lick Which I don't know The original it Must have been part Of the original That everyone kind of Latches onto. You know That da, 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 da. Yeah. I think <laughs> The best
5: things in
1: expect that's pretty similar to yeah. all the versions before it yeah, Beatles how, yeah really. how
4: well was the Beatles one known was it even really released until later right? no or, it's on it's or, on
1: it? with the Beatles oh. their second album oh, okay but it wasn't a single yeah yeah so you would have had to have had the the album in its entirety to ever hear it
4: okay moving
1: on all
0: moving right
1: on. um well gosh dang uh, Steve, Steve took yours, didn't he?
0: <laughs> <laughs> it
4: did involve the Beatles, it, but it, was, it wasn't a Beatles original, though. So I'm, I'm sorry about that. I'm going
1: to do a Beatles original, oh, a boy, cover I, of a, one. A cover of one. I Beatles. think I A cover really of one. Do you? Is it Stevie? Yeah. Uh, this yeah. is
2: one of my favorites. Yeah, it's so good. Yeah.
1: Uh, we Can Work It Out from Stevie Wonder's S- album, Signed, Sealed, and Delivered. What year was this? Great 1970. Album. So, this is, I think, five years after the Beatles version came out. Um, so, still still fairly new, and it was a huge hit for the Beatles, um, but Stevie Wonder totally makes it his own on this, and it's just, like, you can't not have a smile on your face listening to this one. Here we go. We can, we can work it out by Stevie Wonder.
3: Soon be gone. We can work it out We can work it out Think of what you're saying You can get it wrong And still think that it's alright Think of what I'm saying We can work it out And get it straight Or say goodnight We can work it out We can work it out Life is very short I don't
1: know what else to say. Great we tune. Nothing to be said. Stevie killed it. Yep. it's a great, great tune, <coughs>
2: great album. I bought that album for my mom for Christmas, and it was one of those things. I was, I was a teenager, and I really wanted it for myself. But I mm-hmm. also knew I'd heard her say she liked Stevie Wonder, so I bought it for
1: her. Now's my chance. And something we both she like. did
2: love it. But I listened to it quite a bit, and it was in my case logic. So it was a pretty lame, lame Christmas present.
4: Typical bowling typical, ball type Jordan type of yeah. Uh approach.
2: She did love it, but it was in my possession, which, yeah. and I hope it isn't still. It might be. I might have it in my house, which would be really lame. Wow, wow.
1: Okay, petty, what you got, Harmon? Oh, All oops. right. Pause that. There we go.
2: So. I'm going to go next and let's see what we're going to go with is. mm, Okay. Yeah. (laughs) We'll go with. I'm trying to think chronologically. Yeah. Okay. So I'm a fan of, as you guys know, we've talked about it. We haven't done our episode yet on yacht rock or adult contemporary. uh, What do we call it? You know, hall of fame. But, you know, Hall of Oates, all that kind of stuff. I had a Chris Christopher Cross song on, on our Best of the 80s. So there was an album that came out in the middle of the 2000s that was a whole cover album by a band called The Bird and The Bee. That's the band. They covered Hall of Notes. And the 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 album is called, like, uh, it's a hilarious album name. Let me get the
0: name here. It's a fun album.
2: Yes, it's, I'm, I'm glad you... You know this, it's called Interpreting the Masters, Volume 1, Ooh. a tribute to Daryl Hall and John Oates. So are, there is this kind of... Are they all Hall and Oates songs? All Hall and Oates. So here's, here's a teaser. Nine of them,
0: yeah. I, I freaking love Hall and Oates. Oh, <laughs> yes. They, they're so, so
1: This When this album hit...
0: It, so it, their uh, kiss
1: is on your list, is what you're saying. Yes.
0: Hell yes. <laughs> Hell
2: yes, indeed. Yeah, so Interpreting the Masters, Volume 1. And we talked before about the 2000s really disappointed us, In pop music, but also the indie music was like, wow, this is great. So they're kind of in that category of indie pop, indie electronic pop during the 2000s. And I think there's a little bit of the kind of irony, but also sincerely loving hollow notes. But also at the time, it wasn't cool yet to probably like hollow notes in the 2000s. So it was, you know i think there is some of that like oh we're gonna do like they did another one recently of van halen they covered the you know they have their interpreting the masters volume two is van halen which i don't know van halen as well and not as much of a fan but anyway we're gonna let's go with um there's so many good songs on here but the one i chose was i can't go for that from the bird and the bee i'm excited this this came out 2010 so great album
0: excited you picked that i had totally forgotten about that album yeah
2: it's a great album it's a two two two-piece ensemble she's the singer of course i don't know her name and then there's a producer guy and i think he's produced for a lot of other artists and this is like his like band project or one of them and he's just a great he just does great electronic production and hooks and little sounds and he's just really good at like picking the sounds that go together in an interesting way and when that hit and I and I bought it, it was just in heavy rotation in our house because it's just so poppy and fun, and it's a good you know like cleaning up around the house for a Saturday. You know, it's just a good.
0: I, I don't want to derail it too yeah. much, but I, and I've never delved enough, deep enough into the lyrics. But I'm I'm really trying to figure out what do you think it is that they can't go for. <laughs> I can't go for that trying like, to take. I'll do any almost anything. I'll do almost anything, but I can't yeah. go for that. What do you think it is? Uh,
2: it's a good question. I mean, so there, was like, there was some, pre, like they there was some do pre- pre-podcast
4: discussion that might have shed some light on that. I don't know. But we don't want to bring that
0: in, I don't, I don't think. I, but, I, I, yeah, well, other, I don't, don't want to song, solely the good name of the Let the Music Be the Master any more oh, than I boy. already have.
2: The other pick I was going to choose besides this one on the same <laughs> album was, was Private Eyes, which is like a stalker song. A little bit creepy, right? Yeah, yeah a, and so, so I'm like... Well, it's got it fits that eighties subgenre of male stalker
0: music.
1: Creeper
2: rock. Which it sounds differently coming from a female voice. It's it's a little more, you know, I don't do anything. Do you know, I first heard there of there was this letter read over the pulpit, so I can not go for that. Uh oh. <laughs> uh oh. Careful. I first don't heard give. of these guys when Eric Wareheim's YouTube channel and he had directed a video for them for one of their original songs back, <laughs> I already in, the, like them back in the 2000s yeah. and i was like who is this bird and the bee i like this yeah, song yeah, yeah. it's a weird music video i so yeah we yeah.
4: i laura and i spent a ton of time with this album i think she discovered them or somehow and yeah it really i i had you know it was it was impossible for me not to know those holland Oates hits like private eyes mm-hmm. or even their their cover of the um bring back that love and feeling which is kind of painful oh speaking of covers yeah i oh i'm sorry brent i didn't mean to take your pick uh but uh but uh the
1: third one you've taken
4: yeah but um, and and so being into new wave, I was kind of dismiss. You know, they were definitely more on the pop side, so I was right. kind of dismissive of them. But this album was just a great, you know, rediscovering of them. Yeah. And I didn't even know the earlier songs like uh, "She's Gone" or oh, the other so kind good. of more soul stuff. That was it's She's really gone. great. Yeah, and I I love those originals probably better. You know, yeah. than their later 80s stuff. But but then just discovering them this way was really fun. Yeah. Anyway, blue-eyed soul,
2: right?
0: Yeah, great yeah. album. That group. Cool. All right. Jason's up. Oh, I might be... I, I had in my mind what I was going to pick second round. And I think I'm going to change it, um, keep it a little bit more on the obscure side. Uh, this is another one. I honestly clean don't up. remember if I, uh, if I have brought... I don't think I have. I don't know why I would have. There's no way I would have. Um, this is a, a band out of Detroit. Um, I thought of this a, after Brandon's pick. I figured, well, let's go for a Stevie Wonder cover. If, uh, mm-hmm. if we're, if we're going to do this band out of Detroit, <laughs> kind of like a garage rock band. They're called the Dirt Bombs and they play like a really gritty lo-fi style of rock and they'd covered um, Stevie Wonder's Living for the City and it's a really, really cool song and I'm, I'm totally happy to have this as an artifact in the, the Museum of, of Music Covers. Who is it that does it? The Dirt Bombs doing Living for the City. And this one's cool because it's such a a, a genre change. Did I say it right that time? I feel like I did. did. Thank you, you, thank you. I've been practicing. (laughs) Let's go. Let's let's give it up, Jason Johnson.
5: Jason Johnson. Finally, (laughs) his
4: uh, phoning
0: practice in front of the mirror has really (laughs) paid off. Here you go. The dirt bombs paying a tribute to Stevie Wonder.
5: brought from hard time to DJ to a norte home for walls that ain't so pretty. His parents give him love and affection to keep him strong, moving in the right direction, living just enough, just enough for the city. Yeah. His father works some days for money the me, and you best she hardly gets
0: I think the next verse is in Spanish. No, keep playing, it's cool.
5: Intelligent, Just enough That's good, that's
0: good. That's all I needed. Yeah! <laughs> I love it it's fun it's yeah. that's I, like that's probably an example of just covers are just super fun it's and i I think in this case the knowledge of the original song definitely makes it more interesting to me yeah um but I love what they did with it they yeah. just made it they made it their put it in their style they they painted it in the colors they they painted mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Did
2: you say when you mentioned their genre? Did you say uh, garage rock? I, I didn't. It's like yeah, it's
0: like lo-fi kind of garage lo-fi style group, rock. Yeah. they're they're a, a group out of Detroit. They're, you can hear whole, the the raw album, the rawness. Yeah, that album that it's on is actually a super a super cool album. Dirt, dirt bombs. Yeah, the dirt bombs. The dirt bombs. Cool. Your, Are, yeah, go yeah. ahead,
4: Steve. I was just gonna say your mention of garage just made me think of some of the great garage covers and thinking of vanilla fudge you keep me hanging on which i'm not gonna pick but oh you're pulling a jordan there's so <laughs> <many>. <laughs> you just dropped the song you're not there's, gonna pick to sneak it in a lot there's a lot of great ones out there thank you all
0: right so uh so we're gonna can we're gonna conclude this episode uh this first part a of uh of our our dedication to covers um I'm loving it. I'm having fun. I love hearing all your picks and it's fun to to throw try to throw a little in. And uh hopefully this is exciting our our listeners to think about their favorite covers and and what makes them great.
1: Yeah. So and so there, come
0: back for for round 2 of this and and we're
1: going to have plenty of room in this in this category. So if if you guys got stuff you want to share with us, send us an email, send uh send Steve Ricks a Facebook message yeah
0: you know so actually i think that's a great point this probably as much as anything there are so many um there's so many like deep cuts and obscure tracks like i think a common experience for probably all of us at least with one pick so far has been i didn't even know that exists i'm so excited to hear this mm-hmm. and i guarantee there's a million more like that out that are 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 ones and twos of listeners are aware of so send us your favorite covers
1: yeah.